Welcome to Fitness in the Word with Benjamin Kasanja. This is what Joel spoke about, that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And all flesh means everyone, every human being. The factor here is that the spirit has come upon them and the spirit has remained. In the Old Testament, you realize that many times, actually most of the times, when the Spirit came upon somebody, they prophesied. Isn't it? Many times when you read in the Old Testament, you say, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. The Bible says he prophesied. Apart from the different guy, Samson, you know, when the Spirit came upon him, you know. But most of the times you realize that, that's when the Spirit of the Lord came upon them, they prophesied. And Moses, it was his prayer that all oh, that the Spirit would come upon all men. All oh, that they would all prophesy. That was Moses' prayer. And that is why uh, when I was teaching in Narok, I was telling these people, the many of us so much admire Elijah, we admire Moses, we admire these people, yet they are in heaven admiring us. The Bible says they looked into our times, they looked into the things that God had spoken about our generation. They could not fathom them. They admired. They saw the glorious times that we would be in. So these people in heaven, they wish that their time on earth would have been like the time we live in, where the Spirit comes upon people and He remains. During that time, they were not so sure. You know, it is very like, if today it's so easy, that if I want, you know, we can say, this week we are having a prophetic meeting. You get what I mean? And I know that I will prophesy every day. They didn't have that. It was one day when the Spirit came upon them that they would prophesy. This is not a series about prophesying or prophecy. It's a series about hearing God's voice. You cannot prophesy unless you hear God's voice. You get what I mean? So if he's saying, I would, that all men prophesy or they would be prophets, it means I would that all could hear the voice of God. And now this is answered in Acts. He says the Spirit has come upon them. So everyone can hear the voice of God and everyone should hear the voice of God. And that is why I've said we should say, I should prophesy. I should prophesy. Meaning, I should be able to hear the voice of God. Because you cannot prophesy unless you've heard from God. And you're speaking what you've heard from God. Hallelujah. When we talk about baptism in the, baptism in the Holy Spirit, which is a different topic altogether, and I've talked about that, you can go online and we have on YouTube, I think, even when we're talking about foundational Doctrine still talked about baptism in the Holy Spirit. Baptism in the Holy Spirit is very different from receiving the Holy Spirit or being, or being born again. Uh, there are denominations that believe it's one and the same thing. They believe once you're born again, you're baptized in the Holy Spirit. But it is not true. And we look at different accounts in the Bible, especially in the New Testament, that prove to us that there are times it was a second experience. Praise the Lord. We, in the early church, when people got born again, they wanted them to be baptized in the, Spirit, in the Holy Spirit. 
One of the examples is in um, it's Acts 8. It's Acts chapter 8. In Acts chapter 8, Philip went and preached in Samaria. And when Philip preached in Samaria, he said, the Bible says he preached to them Jesus. They received Jesus. Yet when he came back to the disciples, okay, let's, let, let's just read it. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. And the people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. You see why miracles are so important? So important. Someone said miracles are the dinner bell for salvation. Miracles. Are, wherever you see miracles happening, you see many salvations. That is how the gospel got into Africa and a lot of Asia. Because you see, we were in witchcraft. We were in many of these things. We were not just going to receive some philosophical talk and just leave our gods who were doing things. You get what I mean? You're not just going to come and tell us about a God who is only in the brain. Yet the ones we were serving here were doing things. You know? We had grandparents who just go to the cave and it rains that day. Yeah. So oh, it has not rained for long. Say, okay, let's take chicken to this grandparent. Let's, you talk to him chicken and it rains. Now, imagine how you're going to come and preach to us about a God who is just philosophical. Yeah. So without miracles, we are going to struggle to reach people. The results will always be. That's the difference with, if you read in chronological order, you realize that the gospel took long to yield fruit in Berea than it did in Corinth. In Corinth, he says how I came with demonstration of power and of the spirit. That your faith should be established in God's power and not human wisdom. Yet when he went to Berea, the Bereans were noble people. And many times people want to be noble like them. You know, when he says they were noble people, he means they were, they were of a high status. They were elites. They were, you get what I mean? They were studied, learned. They were good people in society. So they reasoned a lot. And the good thing with the Bereans is that they reasoned to really learn, which is so different today. Today you hear many people say, you should be like a Berean. And what are they saying? Be skeptical, be cynical. That's what they are saying. When Bereans landed on the truth, they believed it. They were not searching scripture to disprove Paul. They were searching scripture to see if what he was saying was right. Yeah, that was it. So if you want to be like a Berean, then be like the Bereans. Search scriptures to, let, to be informed by scripture, not to, not to prove your point. That's not what they were doing. But you realize that there, the gospel, because you know Paul sat with them every day and sharing and the gospel moved a bit slower. And when you go to Corinth, man, in a short time, the whole of Corinth was prophesying. They were, they were not mature, but they were in revival. Hallelujah. Revival does not mean you're mature. Yeah, these guys had miracles. They had, they had great things. They are the only church he talks to concerning spiritual gifts and all that. It's the church in Corinth because they caught it very fast. And we've seen this in many places that we, we have gone. When you go with demonstration of power, people really get born again. That is why you see masses get born again in crusades. Because crusades, you know, you're doing a lot of healings and miracles. People are seeing. You know, you being at a crusade and seeing a lame guy standing next to you. Maybe you helped them to where they are standing or seated. 
and you see them jump up and there is something that does to you. As in, there is something it does to you. We cannot take miracles out of Christianity. If we take miracles out of Christianity, it is no longer Christianity. It is just another dead religion. Hallelujah. So Philip, with many miracles, and Philip, this Philip we are reading about, was one of the people who served food. He was not an apostle. He was not, uh, he was not those very high important people who have a, a big seat you know, on the stage. He was not. He was not one of those people. So I don't know what he had gone to Samaria to buy. Maybe he was making guacamole. Avocados were expensive where they were in Jerusalem. So he decided to see Samaria avocados may be cheaper. Because this was to distribute food. And when he got there, he saw some people that needed miracles. And he did miracles. And when he did miracles, crowds gathered. And he told them the gospel. And the crowd accepted what he said because they saw the miracles and now he went back to that day the apostles must have eaten late <laughs> lunch must have been late so he went back to the apostles and he doesn't even reach by apologizing that lunch is late he's excited about what he saw so for unclean spirits crying with loud voice came out of many that were possessed with them and many taken with palsies and that were lame were healed and there was a great joy in the city. Ooh, miracles bring a great joy in the city. But there was a certain man called Simon, which before time in the same city used to used sorcery and bewitched the people of Samaria, giving out that himself was some great one, to whom they all gave heed, from the least to the greatest, saying, this man is the great power of God. And you see, that is the only way we can counter counterfeit things. Occultism, witchcraft. It is by demonstrating. That's what we see in the Bible. When Moses came against Pharaoh's magicians and those spirit men, he came with demonstration of power. When Elijah wanted to go against the prophets of Baal, he came with demonstration of power. You're not going to deal with false prophets by just teaching about false prophets every day. Give the authentic. Come and prophesy. You get what I mean? If the government stops circulating authentic money and they start just talking about the counterfeit that is there, the counterfeit is eventually going to take over. You get what I mean? Praise the Lord. We don't deal with things, but we, we give an option, a better option. Imagine the whole city, because humanity is looking for solutions. Humanity, you know, people say, oh, you're just running to that church because of miracles instead of doing this. Because I need a solution. Yeah. Give me the solution. Give me the miracle. I'll sit and listen to your word. Give me the solution. Give me the solution. Humanity is looking for a solution. At the core, every human being is looking for a solution. They're not just looking for adding information to themselves. Praise the Lord. So if there is no solution, to them it is useless. They can sit in church for some months, and if they see no solution, nothing is changing. And yet when they read in the Bible, they read about this powerful God, they read about the working of the Holy Spirit, expecting a solution. They will go all to all the other places. And as a child of God, you should never get caught up in that. We should never get caught up in just criticizing people. Let's do our work. When you do your work, you'll even be so busy to criticize these people. Imagine if Philip had gone to Samaria and heard about this man and spent the whole evening telling them how this man is a wrong man. 
they would, yeah, there would have been no joy in the city. All these people would not have been converted. But he came with his, which is greater. We serve a great God. We serve a mighty God. What we carry is greater than what they carry out there. So when we go to their cities, when we go to their towns, let's go and produce the authentic. Let's go produce that which is real. One time, Tiel Osborne was preaching in Togo. And he was talking to, 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 to a lady. Her children were sick. So I think either the husband, somebody had taken them to the witch doctor. And Tiel Osborne was asking them, so why do you take your children to the medicine man? He says, because they will die if we don't take them. So like, why don't you take them to the pastors? Why don't you take them to the church so they pray for them? And the lady felt like this white man is naive. Says, white man. The pastor believes, more than, believes in the medicine man more than he believes in his God also. <laughs> you get what I mean? Yeah. Because they see how the pastors fear when the witch doctor warns. They, they know. I know you've heard a story of where there was, there was a witch doctor who owned a bar next to a church. They used to make a lot of noise. And one time, that bar was struck by lightning. The witch doctor took this church to, to, to court. Says, this pastor has been praying against my bar. And lightning hit the bar. And the pastor said, no. Judge, can such a thing happen? Is, is that even... So the judge was like, now I have a problem here with a witch doctor who believes in the power of God and a pastor who <laughs> does not believe in the power of God. <laughs> and that is, what, that is what this lady told T.L. Osborne. This was exactly what was happening in this scenario. And T.L. Osborne tells the lady, if I do a meeting and I pray for your children and they get healed, will you stop going to the medicine man? Of course! And it's free. You know, the lady is amazed. It's free. To the medicine man, we take animals. We take things. Like, if it's free, why not? And you see, in the crusade, definitely T.L. Osborne had a crusade and many people got born again. And that's how T.L. Osborne went to many places. He didn't care so much. He didn't talk so much about witch doctors. He didn't talk so much about that. He just presented what he had. One of his last crusades in, in Thailand was in a place called what? Konken in Thailand. And he put the crusade in the midst of seven Buddhist shrines. That is where the crusade was. And he was very excited. You know, people, oh, you should go into warfare. You see those hey, Buddhists, they do things. And what him, he was excited. He's like, this is the right place to showcase the power of God. The right place to showcase the power of God. And a Buddhist man got born again. 72 years old. Oh, no, she had been 72 years kept in the shrine. No, she's not come out. She's and she kept hearing this sound. And she had a curvature of the spine. And she came out following this sound and she was healed. And Jesus appeared to her and all that. So if we are to counter what the devil is doing, we come with the authentic. We come with that which is more powerful. And that is what Philip came with here. Philip. You see why it was so important for people to be filled with the Holy Ghost? Number two qualification of the people that were chosen to serve food in the early church was that they should be full of the Spirit. And we can see this is proof that they were full of the Spirit. It was not just cliche. You see, today we will say, oh, we want men full of the Spirit. You know, you go to many churches and that's what we say. 
We want to raise up people full of the Spirit. But they don't mean it. But here when Peter said, choose seven men among you, full of wisdom and full of the Spirit. This is proof that those men were full of the Spirit. Because today if you did this, you are either an apostle, you are a prophet, you are an evangelist. Immediately, when people hear that you're doing such, they stop calling you by first name basis. They say, hey, apostle, man of God, hey. You know, because they've seen this. Amy went back as a cook to cut onions. It was not surprising to them that a cook could drive out demons, could see such many miracles. I believe God is taking us into that time. Praise the Lord. We've seen a glimpse of it, especially in this church. I know many of you have been asked if you're pastors because people have seen the power of God that you demonstrate out there. You see how it makes Moses sad? He longed for our day where the Spirit would rest upon all men. Joel prophesied this, this kind of salvation. Hallelujah. And to him they had regard because that of a long time he had bewitched them with sorceries. But when they believed Philip preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Then Simon himself believed also, and when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and wondered, beholding the miracles and the signs which were done. We should have so... What? A very... A ministry of infallible proofs that even the witch doctors should be amazed at what they see. You get what I mean? So there are satanists here, there are devil worshippers here. They should see what we are seeing and they're like, wow. See, this guy just became like a baby all of a sudden. He can't believe. I imagine if when they were talking, he discovered Philip was not even the apostle. Like, and you're like this. What if I meet Peter? And you see, later it happened. When he met Peter, he just wanted to pay Peter money to get what Peter had. To them, this was very key. They were born again. And that is, that is, that is what I'm saying, that there are denominations that believe that all this happens when you get born again. But just this scenario shows us that this is a separate experience. Philip preached to them and they received the gospel. They received Jesus. But they had not received the Holy Ghost. He had not come upon them. They were not baptized in the Holy Ghost. We look at Acts 19 from verse 1. Paul goes and meets these disciples at Ephesus. Yeah? If they've received the Holy Ghost since they, were, they believed, then they said unto him, We have not as much as had whether there be any Holy Ghost. And I believe that is what some of these denominations are walking into. And he said unto them, Unto what then were ye baptized? And they said unto John's baptism. Then said Paul, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto people that they should believe on him which should come after him. That is on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of Jesus. That is when they had. So meaning they were born again. And when Paul had laid hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came on them. And they spake in tongues and prophesied. Here we are also seeing that it is a separate experience. They are born again. They are baptized in the name of Jesus. That means they are born again. But Paul lays hands on them for the Holy Ghost to come upon 
them. Separate experience. Praise the Lord. So what Joel was speaking about, what Moses was speaking about, was not just the experience of getting born again. Many people are born again, but they can't come and clearly or boldly testify that they hear the voice of God. Some even believe that God does not speak anymore. So it is not just an experience when you get born again. There is another experience after the Holy Ghost comes upon you and rests upon you. The Holy Ghost accelerates this. Praise the Lord. We see that the prayer of Moses had been answered. All of us can prophesy. Has the Holy Ghost come upon you? Have you received the Holy Ghost? Don't limit him to speaking in tongues. You should prophesy. Uh, we go to... You remember, in, I think it's John 16 when he said, we were reading that even last week, he said that when the Spirit comes, when the Spirit of truth comes, he shall speak. He shall speak. He shall speak. He will speak. He didn't say when the Spirit comes... He shall just, he shall open the Bible for you or he shall give you a feeling. He shall, he didn't say that. He said he shall speak. And the spirit of truth has come, he shall speak. So God speaks. So if he comes and he rests upon you, then he speaks. That should be exciting to us. That should make us feel like I should listen. If he speaks, then I should listen. I will hear something if I listen. I will hear what he has to say if I listen. If I pay attention to him, I'll hear what he has to say. And if he speaks, 1 Corinthians 14. Let's read 1 Corinthians 14 verse 1. So let's read in NKJV, New King James. How many Christians are okay with pursuing love? Almost the whole body of Christ. How many are okay with desiring spiritual gifts? Half of the body of Christ. How many are okay with desiring to prophesy? A quarter of the body, less than a quarter of the body of Christ. This is the same scripture. And you've heard phrases like, you're just seeking the gift instead of seeking the gift giver. Seek the, you know, and, and, and they seem so spiritual. They seem to be big. Yeah, I don't go after prophecy. I go after the, 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 the prophecy giver. You know, many things that make you feel deep, but you see spiritually, you're an idiot. This, no. If the gift giver is telling you to pursue the gift, what better way to pursue him other than obeying what he has told you to do? He's telling you to pursue it. And you're saying, no, I will just pursue him. Only him. You get what I mean? You come and ask me, Pastor, how may I help you? I tell you, okay, help me by living. I don't want you here. I say, but I want to help you. You're not helping me. Leave. <laughs> That's the help I need right now. <laughs> yeah, pursue, leave. <laughs> yeah? Because the, the, the gift giver has told us to pursue, to desire prophecy. What does that mean? Desire to hear God. Because if, if you're coming for a meeting like this and your desire is to have a word, to give a word of prophecy to people, it means you're desiring to hear what God has to say about his people. 
You're desiring to speak on behalf of God. You're desiring to hear from God what he has for his people. And you see he's saying, especially that you may prophesy. This is very key. We should all desire this. So, oh, pastor, I have never prophesied. At times you don't even know. As we are going to go on, you may realize that you've actually been prophesying and you did not know. But you see, it is something that you should desire. And the prophetic will grow as you desire. Yeah. You're going to meet your family. You're going to meet people and you're like, God, let me have a word for them. What do you want me to tell these people? What do you want to say about them? God will speak to you because you desire. You know? Imagine if you tell people to desire something. You know, even normally when I'm praying for people, especially young people, like prayed for young people, I normally ask them, do you really want to be filled? Because at times they look like they don't desire. In Esther, when we were going like for Ignite and what, teenagers, because you see, I once was a teenager. I know some of you can't believe it. You're like, no way. No way. You, at your age, have you ever been a teenager? Yes. Many, many years ago, long, long ago, <laughs> as one time a teenager. But <laughs> yeah, I know, yeah? It, it, it sounds very... <laughs> yeah, like, oh, you, you look like you're from the museum. But I was once a teenager. <laughs> and you know, you're cool. As a teenager, you're cool. As in school, I'm cool. How will you raise your hands? How will you... Uh, say uh, this time when we are going to say I prayed for many young people so I would call out if you're 15 years and below come I want to pray for you so kids would come so some of them would just be you know like they just came because you just mentioned their age so I would first ask them do you desire to be filled you know what I mean I didn't want to waste time to pray for one who does not desire and there to be a desire for that desire to be filled you, have you ever employed somebody and you're wondering if they desire to have the job you've given to them? You get what I mean? Like, do you really want to work here? You get what I mean? Or you're helping somebody. Do you really want... You're paying school fees or you're doing something. You're like, do you really want to go to school? Do you really want this job? Do you really want this? So if you want somebody to desire something and it is in your ability to give it to them, then you want it for them. But it is because if they have a desire for it, you feel like they will value it. By the mere fact that I have called out people to pray for them to receive the Holy Ghost, it means it's my desire. I want as many to be filled with the Holy Ghost. That's one of the reasons I've come to your church, to get people filled with the Holy Ghost. So by me asking you if you desire, it, it does not mean that I want to hold back. It means that your desire has a lot to do with receiving and gratitude and appreciation. So at times people come and bash, they talk so wrong about prophecy, talk so wrong about it, and yet they think that they are going to be prophesying. If you don't value it and you don't desire it, it is not going to, it is not going to happen that way. You desire. I told you some of the stories, you know, when the second time I had a baptism in the Holy Ghost, that was in when I was 17 years of age, I had another encounter, another infilling of the Holy Ghost. I desired to hear God and to see things. And you see, it would just start in class. Because we would just be saying, what would the mathematic teacher be putting on? It would be with Pastor Otim, another friend, Innocent, Pastor Eric. And we are like, what would they be putting on? We desired, like this God who is real can speak to us. And we would hear what he's speaking to us and we would all write down. And when the teacher comes in, we open what we've written. 
And you see, whatever was accurate, we were very excited. And you see, we went on like that. Then we realized, okay, it was not just about what the mathematics teacher was putting on. It was now different things. You get what I mean? Like, we've, we've, I've stood before people and I've told them an entire dream that they have dreamt. You get what I mean? And not once, not... But you see, it started with that. But by the time you come to somebody who has not... Because you're reading in the Bible, like, wow, the king told Daniel now to tell him the dream, the interpretation and the dream. <laughs> the king forgot the dream. So he's not telling you a dream. You see, many people come and say, hey, pastor, I had this dream. Can you interpret for me? No, the king is like, you, 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 I don't know that dream, but I want you to get that dream and also tell me the interpretation. So now you think about it and I'm like, wow, that God who worked in Daniel, did he shrink? Is he smaller in me? Yeah. So you see, because I'm expecting, I'm like, wow, if he did that in the Old Testament, he can do it better right now. And you see, I've been able to tell people their dreams without even them telling me they don't know that dream. Just going to them like you had a dream like this and this and this and this two years ago and give them the specific details. It's now no longer about what the math teacher is putting on. But it is because there was that desire. I, because you see, if you desire to prophesy, it is one of the most selfish, the, the most selfless reasons for hearing the voice of God. Because if you're desiring to prophesy, you prophesy not for your sake. You prophesy to tell others what God is saying. So it is a very selfless thing. And somebody used to say that if a man can hear God, then that is a humble man. I don't care what you think is arrogance about them. You know, you may hear the way they speak, the way they shout, the way they do what, but if they can hear God and tell others what God is saying about them, that is humility. They've humbled themselves to be able to hear the voice of God and to put their reputation on the line to stand and tell other people. Many people who seem humble but don't prophesy are very arrogant, full of themselves, because they fear. What if I miss it? That is arrogance. Yeah. What will they think? What if I prophesy and tell them their mother has this problem and doesn't have? Yes. Now it is humility that you will put your reputation on the line and do that. That is humility. Praise the Lord. So sometimes where things are not happening, we think that is where there is humility and sanity. But no. Sometimes very calm people are the most proud people. Esau was more proud than Jacob. Jacob was the, was the cheat, the supplanter. He can't even go to hunt. He's just looking after goats in the mom's house. And yet Esau is the compliant one. Dad, what do you want? Ah, Venson, don't worry. You know, compliant. But when it came to that which God valued, his birthright, he could give it up. Pogiveri. Sakotash. <laughs> yeah. He could just give it up. So many times the places we see and we, we, we think that, oh, these people are godly because they are not making mistakes. So, you see, because at times it's, it's very easy. I saw recently, what is his name? Spiritual Santo T.D.J.X. Pastor who? Keon, yeah? The black guy. If, if you've watched the series Crashed, what? He's interviewed him on one of those Crashed. Yeah. 
This guy was preaching and he was saying something that made a lot of sense. It's like everyone wants mercy and grace from the pulpit. But no one wants to give grace to the pulpit. You get what I mean? If somebody right now gives a prophecy about these coming elections and it is wrong, the whole, everyone will stone them, will stone them. And the arrogant people who thought they were hearing God but were not confident enough, bold enough to put their reputation on the line and come and say what thus says the Lord. They are stoning this one who was daring to put his life on the, on the line and speak. That was a humble man. He may have made a mistake, but he was a humble man. Samuel was a humble man. He went to Jesse's house and almost anointed Eliab, but he was a humble man. He almost missed it. Today we would have stoned him. But I've said, how? How do you just look on the outside? You know, because God said it, you, you're just looking on the outside. We say, that prophet, you're the prophet of Israel, and you're just looking at the outside? Look at this man, he's very carnal. That's what we would have said. But God honored him. He was the greatest prophet in Israel. He was awesome. So sometimes people who are making mistakes in the name of prophecy are the humble people. And those people who are not making mistakes are the arrogant people. They can't go out there. You know, this is something that I really learned, especially in the maybe early days of our marriage or, or, or even these later days of our marriage. Yeah? It, the latter day saints. <laughs> in our marriage, we are latter day saints. So the... the <laughs> You know, there is a lot of self-centeredness that was in me. Most of it has left. Hallelujah. <laughs> I know some of you think, hey, pastor, you're still full of yourself. It's just that you found me at that level. If you had met me four years ago, <laughs> it was worse. So, I'm very particular. Very, very particular. Some people say choosy. Very particular. So, when we just began, my wife buys for me gifts, you know. First of all, those days we were broke. You know, we, we didn't say we were broke, isn't it? Yeah, we said we were rich. So it's in retrospect that we realized we were broke. You get what I mean? <laughs> At that time, we know. <laughs> Cut on a thousand hills belong to our father. <laughs> so my wife buys for me shoes, 4,500 shillings. You know, at that time, shoes, 4,500 shillings, that was a dream. You get what I mean? She buys. I appreciate that they're expensive. <laughs> I, you know, she realizes soon, she realizes, mm, babe, you don't like these shoes. I'm like, babe, no, this, yeah, I don't like them. <laughs> As in, she bought me, she tried many things, and you know, if I don't like something, I, I, I'll get excited when you bring it. I pretend. I don't know how I pretend. People who know me know that I've not liked it. Now, like my wife, my wife knows right away. They don't know me. I, oh, wow. Thank you so much. Thank you. Then I never put it on. I never. I saw a seed. Yes. <laughs> so, you know, another time she tries again. So she tells me this. Let's give them out. So, give them out to somebody. And another time she tries, she buys. She buys, and man, you know that touched me so much. Because I feel like in being self-centered, especially I think because of being phlegmatic, you see, words of affirmation is a big love language for, for many phlegmatics. So for me, that's big. 
and fear of rejection is a real thing. You get what I mean? Yeah, like if I gave somebody something and they didn't appreciate it, it's like a dagger in my heart. Like, like you, want, you want validation as a phlegmatic. It can be a great weakness. So I feared buying things for my wife. What if she refuses them? So what I would say, babe, here is money, go here. You get what I mean? Yeah, here is a voucher. Here is a, you know, like something that she will still make the choice on her own. And she will always remember I gave her the money. <laughs> you get what I mean? So I would feel good about myself. So, but you know that time God challenged me. You see why she can try again? Because she's not doing it for herself. She's not self-centered. She's not doing it so that you appreciate her. She's doing it for you. That's why she can try again and again. Because for me, if it's rejected once, that was it. You get what I mean? <laughs> I can't break my heart twice. <laughs> 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 I can't have my heart broken twice. Once beaten, twice shy, yeah. But now think about it. This is just in gifts, but I have grown. Yeah, I've grown. My wife can have grown. Yeah, nowadays I can go buy things, but even clothes and what I'm I'm growing. Yes, clap for me. <laughs> Now, that's the same thing when it comes to prophecy. Why do we fear to prophesy? Because we are full of ourselves. We fear to be rejected. We fear to get it wrong. What if I tell them and it is not right? What if I speak and it is not right? Yeah, it's about you. What if it is going to change that person's life? What if it's going to change their whole family? What if it is going to change a whole nation? And you held it back. You get what I mean? Many people here, some of you can testify. Prophecies that I have given to you that have literally changed your life. And you see, sometimes these prophecies, the prophecy in itself is a gate to something bigger. When, this time when I was in Narok, so I was ministering, because I was ministering still about the Holy Spirit and all that. So one of the students asked me, what if you see something, like you was telling me, I'm going, like in the morning, I see a vision, I see this lady dressed like this and this, and I get to church and she's dressed in that exactly. Like, what do I do with that? What is that for? And I told her, what if it is just for God to just prove to you that you have a good relationship with him? What if it is just God to prove that I show you things? Like there are things that I do for my daughter and they have no end goal. They have no long-term goal. And that is a way for God to begin. And that is why you see that many times when you're beginning, especially in the prophetic, you see many things that may not make spiritual sense. And many times when you hear people prophesying when they're just starting, many of their prophecies are just that. Oh, I see you and I see a star on your shoulder. Ah. Yeah. Maybe it means that you're God's general. <laughs> and you say, <laughs> we <laughs> one star general. <laughs> A one star general. And you see, <laughs> I don't know, but you know, many times when we are beginning, it is that. We, as in when you're beginning to prophesy, you literally prove the scripture we see in part. Like, you, 
literally you just things are vague and what but you see it is in you losing that self-centeredness and starting to act on that that you see in part that things start up uh sean balls gave a testimony of somebody who get bo- who got born again off of a missed word of knowledge yeah a guy just came and like sir can i talk to you uh so this and this and this and this and the guy like no none of that is true and this guy was disappointed like ah god i thought i'd had you right and the other guy's like wait wait a minute why did you why did you come to tell me that like you know i'm practicing to hear the voice of god and to speak to people and the guy like what you you actually really believe that god speaks like i've been looking for a christian who really believes that god is real and that's how the guy got born again so you see there the, is the 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 ministry of prophecy is way beyond accuracy and whatever and you see there are people who come and they will say no god does not do that god does not he, he does not do that their god can't you get what i mean mine is all knowing you get what i mean yeah maybe there's he can't read he's illiterate mine can read numbers he can read names he can read he can read different things and you see sometimes this just opens up this person for what next that god has to do for them it opens up the person like wow if god knows this detail about me then he's really concerned about my life then he really has something to do with my life so every time we don't prophesy because of our self-centeredness we are depriving someone we are depriving someone even when you miss it let me tell you there is a great testimony when you miss it because as you grow and people hear how mature you are in the prophetic it also ministers to them because they saw the days when yeah and it ministers to them moses desired that now in the old testament they prophesied by the word prophet the word to prophesy is a word that comes from the origin is a word that means to bubble on they spoke by prophecy was by impulse and some people want new testament prophecy to be that way in the old testament there was not so much room to miss it because in the old testament it was not out of relationship in the old testament it was out of country it was the spirit came upon you and you bubbled on it was impulsive and yet we still see them almost missing it like we've said samuel almost anointed eliab in the old testament you had you didn't need to grow you didn't need to mature in your prophecy the spirit came upon let me tell you we are in the highest level of prophecy that is why we can miss it it is just like imagine many of us love football yeah and most of us who love football are against artificial intelligence isn't it we are against uh, goal line technology and all this that they've put why because it takes away the humanity of the game you get what i mean everything just has to be checked on a on a screen everything has to be you know much is posing there are serious things that we use to see you know you 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 know you just oh he was offside and what was offside it was just one hair from his beard that's why that's why many footballers shave their beard but you know you 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 you, you like you're like really it's taking away now god wanted us to have a real relationship missing it means we are in a better covenant where it is not just god getting us to speak he is collaborating with us he is partnering with us and at times our human frailty comes in and we miss it 
In the Old Testament, he wasn't partnering with them. He was using them. He's not just using us. We are not a rug. We are not, he's not using us. He is working with us. And if you work with somebody, my wife is a baker. And you see, there are times that when she would work with somebody, maybe a new person, she's teaching a recipe and all that, the cake would not come out exactly like she wants it to come out. But there would be joy that somebody else has been like, ah, she would be telling her, oh, when I just began, ah, this is way better. For me, when I just began it, you get what I mean? Why is there joy? Because she's worked with somebody. Let me tell you, God enjoys it. When you prophesy, when you miss those small details, God is so glad that you did it because he worked with you. He knows if he had done it alone, it would be perfect. But his joy is that he's working with you. His joy that he's partnering with human beings. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Tell yourself, I should prophesy. Yeah, you should prophesy. And now it begins with a simple gift of prophecy. Let's read in verse 3 of chapter 14. But he who prophesies speaks edification. Edification comes from what? The root word means architecture, uh, building, structure, edifice, you know. And exhortation. Exhortation means like to stir somebody, to, you know, to, to comfort. So that as you speak to somebody, do they feel built? Yeah? Do they feel the exhortation? Are they pushed to do better? Are they pushed to do better? You have a word of prophecy about somebody's business. Do they feel like that business can do better? I've heard of prophets about what God has called them to do. Do they feel like they can do better in their ministry that God has called them to do? And do they feel comforted? That is the simple meaning of prophecy. Exhortation can also mean encouragement. It can also mean to encourage. That you encourage people. So, the simple gift of prophecy is not necessarily word of knowledge. And that's why you see, when he's talking about the nine gifts, he talks about prophecy, and yet he talks about word of knowledge. And he also talks about word of prophecy. Word of knowledge is like what the example is giving, like about Talmon. Is you getting to know somebody, something that you had no prior information about. That is word of knowledge. Yeah? Uh, word of wisdom is when you speak word of wisdom more like helps to apply either the word of knowledge or it just gives word of wisdom gives like guidance like what somebody should do you know like it's a lot in the future like a word of you know like there is somebody that I was prophesying to they were doing a, a construction so I told them there are like there are materials that are being stolen from your site and what? And they're like, I don't know about that. And so I told them, you're going to discover their materials that are going to, but when this building is almost done, God is going to give you a new contractor, a better contractor. So you will not need to worry about how to change contractors at that time. Months later, they come and they tell me, I'd even forgotten. Like, actually, this guy called me yesterday and asked me, do you have another site? Because materials are taken, cement, 
they are taken and they say they are going to the other side. Like, no, I have no other side. I'm, you get what I mean? Like that. And in that very week, he had got another contractor who was closer to him, a friend to him, something like that. So that about the contractor that he would get and what that is word of wisdom. You get what I mean? Yeah. So something like that. Yeah. So you're going to get this job and this and this and this. Yeah. Go work on your passport. Go work on this. You're going to need it. Work on your driver's license. Word of wisdom. Because eventually you're going to realize that these things are going to be very crucial in that that God is leading you into. So the simple gift of prophecy is just exhortation, edification, comfort. That is the simple word of, that is the simple ministry of, the simple gift of prophecy. And that is what we start with. Let's read first. Uh, For you can all prophesy one by one that all may learn and all may be encouraged. Paul is saying that when you prophesy, people are going to learn. They are going to be encouraged. Prophesy, prophesying does not split churches. It does not, that is not prophecy. It comes things, if people are not encouraged, people are not learning. He's saying that you may all learn. And one of the things that we learn is still to hear the voice of God as we prophesy. That is one of the things that we learn. Hallelujah. That all may prophesy. You hear the voice of God and you prophesy. You hear what God is telling you about somebody. Desire it like we have said. Desire it. When you're going, I'm going home. I'm praying for my mom. God, tell me something. I'm praying for, and you see, I said that as we go on, we are going to go into the very practical, nitty gritties where you can realize that it is true. You can hear the voice of God on a daily basis. It is not too much to hear him on a daily basis. Being in my father's house, it was not weird to hear him every day. You know, I lived with him. How come you pray every day but you don't hear him every day? Say, prayer is 50%. You speaking, 50% him speaking. That is prayer. It's communion with him. So if you think God should speak once in a week, that's not a relationship. People have broken up because they've not spoken for two days. Haven't you seen that? What of God who we are in a relationship with? God who is ever present. And people are dating and they expect you to speak to them even if you don't have airtime, even if you're busy. And yet they are not with you. God is with you all the time. He does not leave you. He does not forsake you. You know, he says he will never leave us nor forsake us. You know what forsaking means? Forsaking means turning his heart away. You know, somebody may not leave you, but they can forsake you. God does not forsake us. There is somebody who is with you and uh, it's a matter of time. They are, their internship will get done and they will get out of our office. You know, they are, it's a matter of time. They will, they, will, they will get out of this marriage. It's a matter of time. They will get out of, you, you get what I mean? So you've been forsaken. You're there, but you're forsaken. God does not forsake us. His heart does not turn away from us. So don't you think that he has something to tell us every day? And you think he would like to speak to us every day? just like he hears from us. If we have grown in the art of speaking to him, we know the right phrases to say. We even know how to say Jehovah God, Father God, Jehovah God. <laughs> Maybe now we should also work on the art of hearing. We've worked on the art of speaking. But I'm telling you, when you speak to God, you've perfected the art. You're very different. You know, here we think you can't speak well until we hear you pray. 
They are like, what? Kumbe can pray in English. He even knows Shakespeare English. You know, he. For thine is the glory. For in thy name. What? what? <laughs> I thought your English was funny. It's, when you're praying, it's Shakespeare English. We've, we, we've perfected the art of speaking to him. <laughs> now we should perfect the art of... <laughs> you know, somebody said, that Romakizano said this, that if you pray differently from the way you speak to people, you're religious. And by the way, you know, I think, you know, right now we are with a group of people, we, we are working on something, but I think we should work on it for everyone in Ratsi. We really want to work on the art of public speech. We want all of us to be better speakers. You get what I mean? Because it is very good, because we have something important to convey. And how we package it at times hinders us from, hinders people from receiving it. You may have a very good message, but because our art of speech is not good, when you pray, people should enjoy when you, you know, these are things that my, you know, my dad taught me very early. My dad used to tell me, when you're praying and you're with a group of people, like you see, maybe you're praying a prayer that people should agree on. My dad told me, let it never be so long. And if you've seen, I don't like very long prayers. <laughs> you get what I mean? Especially when praying for people. Let's hold hands and pray. Father, thank you. Two hours later, I'm still going. I like, people are going to get tired. So eventually they are waiting to say amen to be relieved, not to agree with what you are saying. Prayer, short prayer. Then now, vain repetitions, like he warns about the Pharisees. Father God, you are the one who is mighty. Father God, you are the one who is mighty. Oh, Father God, hey, Jehovah Father. Jehovah my Father. Jehovah Hey! Now one of, the thi- one, of, one of the things that is very interesting, especially if you you're growing in the art of public speech is record yourself. That's something that we've learned. Record yourself. Do a video. Record yourself. You get what I mean? Now, listen to yourself without watching the video. Do you like how you sound? Many times you're going to realize that there's a lot you don't like. Start working on that. Up to today, I listen to my preachings and there are many things I don't like. There are many things I like I'm trying to get out. Then, you mute the audio and watch. Look at your body movement. Does it distract people away from the message? Does it? You get. Those are things that I, I look at here. Now whatever you don't like, start changing that. So it's the same thing with prayer. As you pray, listen to your prayer. Because you are a leader. You're going to stand before congregations and pray. You, you know you've gone for weddings and what, and people don't know how to pray. Because if you're praying a prayer of agreement, people need to listen and agree with what you're praying. So if you train yourself to speak to God like a father, how do you speak to your father? Dad, I need school fees. And dad, the teacher said yesterday. And dad, oh, my only father. And, and you, is that how you speak to your dad? And isn't it amazing that when people who have never been in church, they get born again. When you hear them pray, they have the best prayer. Because theirs is not religion. It's relationship. Yeah, they're the ones who come like, God, I've actually never done this, but I believe you're hearing me because that's what I was told. As in it's so real. Relationship. For us, we were told, you say, Father God, then you have to bounce. <laughs> yes? And you breathe. <laughs> and if you don't do it, Father. In the... Now, 
Now, now, this is, you see, as we pray, you see when we pray, prayers of traveling and what, or like the way we come and pray here on Saturday, I mean on Friday, and we do that. You see, you pray, and many times you pray, and you know, that's literally the spirit of prayer takes over. The times you're praying and you're groaning, definitely it will change. The way you pray will change. You know what I mean? You're praying in tongues. You will change because, you get what I mean? You're involved. But you see, when you're praying for people, you're saying, let's pray. And to pray for you. you. You make sure you want people to hear every word you are praying. Very many words are going to be destructive. Very many words are not going to help. So you need people to hear every word that you pray. So when you, you, when you have more Father God, Jehovah God, more than what you're praying for, that's what people are going to remember. Yeah, they are going to say amen to Father God, to, to Jehovah God. And you see, sometimes this is because we listen to somebody who, you know, and, and that was a revelation maybe they had just got at that time. You know, you in awe, like God is really my Father. Like, yes. Because see, everything begins somewhere. Like there is that in, so... Because now we grew up in church. That's how the pastor prays. So we took it on that. We, we pray like that. Let's, let's, let's check those things. Especially as we grow. You're in our home cell. Our hot spot. He tell you to pray. 15 minutes later, you're still praying. <laughs> this is not warfare. <laughs> you're contending. Yeah? No, it is not time to contend. People are in a hurry. They want to go breastfeed their babies. They want to go cook for their husbands. Don't contend during that time. We contend every Friday, every Ignite prayers. Come and contend. Hallelujah. Yes. Come and contend and... <laughs> Come and contend and then you will... <laughs> you will not... Yeah. So that you will not contend with the brethren later. <laughs> I, yeah, but it, it's so important that when we pray, we, 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 we also work on that. We work on our language as we pray. We've worked on that, even if it's in the wrong direction at times. Let's now work on the one for hearing the voice of God. Alice, we are social. If you ask, can you pray? Hey, I can pray. I'm a pro. You are not told. You didn't see me on news. Praying, just praying. I can pray. Two hours later, you'll still, you know. So good. Can you hear? Just like you've mastered to pray every day, you should master to hear every day. You should master to hear every day. And it is so simple. And like I'm telling you, because you see, this is something that I have experienced. I used to think it was rocket science. I used to think, because you see, I, 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 at 17, when the power of God came upon me, afresh somebody told me you know if you just seek God with the whole of your heart do you know that you will get him you know if you seek God so I said let me try out this thing so I thought that maybe five years later I'll have a testimony you get what I mean like I'll see something man the moment I committed that very week I was like what it's this easy you know it, just, it excited me as a young believer I feel like actually God has been waiting for me I just started seeing visions. I started feeling his power. I started hearing, having dreams. 
I would lay hands on people and the power of God would touch them and I'm like, what? Because when they talk, because you say I was admiring preachers, I was admiring Pastor Ben Hina, I was admiring Pastor Robert Kanja from Uganda, I was admiring. They, these guys carried God, like how can they prophesy like this? How can they know things like this? So someone told me, you see them, they had a great desire. If you also seek God, what they are doing, you can do. So you know, I thought that hey, maybe in five years I'll be somewhere. So just that in one week I could prophesy, just that in one week I could feel his power, just that in one week he was so real to me, I felt like God was actually waiting. And that is an encouragement. I know it is not doctrine, it's not my doctrine, but doctrine even makes it better. He is near, he's not hiding. He does not play hide and seek. That's what the message version says. He says God does not play hide and seek. He does not want us to grow up in the darkness. He wants us to he wants us to 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 hear him. He wants us to be led by him. Hallelujah. But let's read let's go to Jeremiah 23. We'll read 25 and 20 25 to 26. I have heard what the prophet said that prophesy lies in my name saying I have dreamed I have dreamed. How long shall this be, the heart of the prophets, that prophesy lies? Yeah, they are prophets of the deceit of their own heart. Yeah? He's telling us that they are prophets he's had. They are prophets who prophesy. They say, I have had dreams, and they give their own dreams. And uh, verse 30 to 31. Let's read 30 to 31 also. Therefore, behold, I am against the prophets, saith the Lord, that steal my words, everyone from his neighbor. Behold, I am against the prophets, saith the Lord, that use their tongues and say, he saith. <laughs> Isn't it amazing that they steal words from their neighbor? <laughs> <laughs> they are prophets who steal words from their neighbor and they come and prophesy now what God is speaking about here is the motive he's addressing the motive he's not speaking about missing it that's not what he's speaking here because see many times I've seen people who have missed it these verses being used you're prophesying your own things that you didn't hear God and this is not what God is speaking about here God is speaking about motives. Prophecy is not for manipulation. Prophecy is for edifying, exhortation, and comfort. It is not for manipulation. That is still self-centeredness. We don't speak prophecy so that people do what we want done for us. That is very wrong. And it happens, you've, you know, definitely we've seen it a lot in the area of giving. It has been abused a lot. But you know, that's, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a bad thing. It's, God does not want that. Like you can't use your motive. I've said, I say, I've said this a number of times. Because we are a young church, our demographics, people are getting married and dating and what, because of just the age, by reason of age you're in. Relationship here, relationship here, searching here, searching there. Um, what is the opposite if you're, if, you're, if you're not searching, you're 
hmm? availing yourself. You, you is to be sought. What do you do? <laughs> positioning. Yes, yeah. So <laughs> people are searching and positioning themselves. And many times, especially in such young congregations, young the demographics, I mean, you find that many people, many people come and they. They, they use prophecy a lot for relationships. God told me so and so is the one you're meant to marry. God told me so and so. God told me so and so. God told me so and so. Which I said that is, now that is, God is saying, they are saying they've dreamed, they have a dream. <laughs> they are saying he's safe and God has not said anything. And especially, like why, why is it that in the prophetic as you're growing, your speciality is in relationships. Like all of us said, that that's where you've begun. You've, you've, you know, you've, yeah, you, that's where you, God has sharpened you in relationships. In. <laughs> we never hear you prophesy about that people going to get born again. We never, you just, you just know who is going to marry who and who is going to marry who. That is manipulation many times. That is manipulation many times. There are times genuinely I have known relationships that are going to work and relationships that are not going to work. And sometimes I've told my wife, you get what I mean, like God told me. But you see, that is also maturity as you mature in, 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 in hearing from God. You also know that hearing from God doesn't mean saying whatever you hear. You get what I mean? Yeah. You, see, you think that as you insist, you know, <laughs> there's a time my, my young bro really, really insisted, he was going to school and he really insisted that for his snack for break, it should be sweets. You get what I mean? And he insisted, and he had insisted for days. You know, four year old, five year old. So he was given the man, and yeah, he filled his container with sweets. So he has juice up, then he has sweets down. <laughs> do, do, do you think that my parents didn't know that he would be hungry? So they, they carried a snack and gave to the teacher. <laughs> and later when he was hungry, very hungry, almost crying, you know, the teacher gave him the snack. But when he came home, he knew that it's not sweets that you take for. for. <laughs> hey, they are the, the ones you take for a snack. But you see, like I'm saying, my parents knew. You see... At times God has spoken to me like I've said, maybe because I'm a pastor, I'm over here, and he's told me this relationship is not going to work. Yeah, and also, sometimes it has not been to tell you not to get into it. Because it is a learning journey. Yeah, so when it fails, you come, I'm like, oh, sorry, sorry. Sorry. That guy was bad, that lady was bad, sorry. You get what I mean? And I never tell you that I knew anything about it, that I knew it would not work. I never tell you. There are a few people that I've told, but many people I never tell them. Why? Because my parents knowing that sweet will not satisfy this baby, that time was not to come in the way of interrupting a very major lesson. Once one is baptized in hunger. <laughs> 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 You don't need to teach them about hunger again. <laughs> you get what I mean? And the lesson was learned. That argument was never, it never came up in our house. 
And today when we talk about food, it is that my brother who, who does a better job than any of us. So, lot, so I'm not saying that God cannot speak to you about a relationship. God cannot speak. But if you find that for you, all you're prophesying is who should marry who, who should marry who, then you're neglecting your life. Praise the Lord. Yeah. If that's all you're doing, you're neglecting your life. There's a lot to put in order in your life. Your bedroom needs to be swept. You, there are many things you need to work on. You, you, it, it can't just be that. It is manipulation. If, if you really like, you know, go tell them directly. You tell them, I think you would make a good couple with so-and-so. You get what I mean? That is good. And sometimes it works. Yeah, people start considering it. So tell them outright. Come on, God told me. I saw a dream. No, if you want them, they are a very nice couple. Tell them you guys would make a, you'd make a nice couple. And that's good enough. Praise the Lord. Actually, you've prophesied. You've encouraged them, you've exhorted them to pursue it, and you've comforted them. Simple gift of prophecy has happened. Other than making people think, eh, Pastor, I'm not so sure. I was told I should marry so and so, but I'm not. Which comfort is that? You've not comforted anyone with that. You've not comforted. And there are people who have got in real trouble that way. And there are people even who have got married because a certain prophet told them, this, is, this should be your wife. You know. People who have, oh, your wife will come from China. <laughs> COVID, COVID comes, the lockdown comes, Chinese are not coming. <laughs> and the brother is waiting for the wife to come from China. <laughs> Later, he's 76, China opens up. Now the lockdown is lifted from China. And he's already 76. He was 15 when he was told. Your wife will come from China. God did not force you to get born again. But you think he forces us to marry whoever we want to marry? He'll guide us, but yeah, some of those lies, those are lies that we are lies that are, 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 are coming to people. Check your motive whenever you're giving a, a word of knowledge. Check your motive. Why am I giving this? Am I prophesying to, to, to so-and-so? God is dealing with a motive that they, he will be against them. They say, I have had a dream. I, have, I had this dream. And it always comes in a dream. Like I've said, missing it does not mean it's not authentic. It is motive that makes it not authentic. Now that's what he's saying, that they speak and God is not happy with that. To manipulate, prophesy to this person so that he can give us for church building. That is manipulation. Prophecy is to encourage the person, to edify the person. And, to, and this is the truth. As a minister, if you're pastoring a church, you flow in the prophetic, you're blessing people. People will bless you. People will support. You know. No one has ever been manipulated in this ministry to give. But people give. You know, people even come to this ministry and they wonder. And like, how can they think we are a small congregation? How can you do all these things? When people love you and they value you, people, they, they will give to you. And you know how you, you also enjoy a gift you've not manipulated somebody for? Or asked for? You know how you enjoy it? But imagine... You're there, you're prophesying to somebody to give you money. So every day, 
You know, you're trying to, to make sure the prophecy comes to pass. What if it does not come to pass? What if it does not come to pass? They may come for their money. <laughs> it's like dowry. Say, but Rudy, <laughs> we already took the dowry. You know, you also, that, that is so wrong. That is so wrong. So as we hear the voice of God, let's never get into such things. Let's not be shy. Let's not be too proud to prophesy. But let's never use prophecy for our own gain, for selfish gain. God does not want that. That is so wrong. So as we hear the voice of God, we are going to hear things. But that is so wrong. Never go to someone and say, God showed me. I saw you. We were seated up with you somewhere. It looked like we are married. God was showing me that. You're manipulating. Come to me. Let me give you some lines. Praise the Lord. Let me give you lines to use. Hallelujah. Don't, don't, don't manipulate people. Even if God has told you this is the person. It is just like if God tells me you, I, you're going to go and preach in Tanzania, UK, wherever. You, you know what I do? I go through the natural means that are there. I buy an air ticket. I get my passport stamped. You get what I mean? Yeah. So if God speaks with sister so-and-so, there is a natural way to woo sister so-and-so. Go, buy her flowers, sit her somewhere good, speak to her. Yeah. So just that God has spoken, yes, just that God has spoken does not mean you escape. You, you, you evade the process. Yes. You, you save money. Yes. You save money. Mm. Yeah, you say, Pastor, I'm coming. Can I meet my girlfriend at church? No, not at church. No, not at church. Eh? Not at church. No. Many of these restaurants are not full. Praise the Lord. <laughs> You're not meeting at church. Yes. This church is not necessarily for saving. <laughs> we may start a saving scheme, but not yet. Hallelujah. No, just think about it. God speaks to you and God tells you, I want you to be an engineer. You go to school, you work on physics, you work on mathematics, you apply to the university. You don't just go to work, God told me to be an engineer. Why is that when he tells you about marrying somebody, you, you, you know, you don't go and tell lecturers, God told me to be an engineer, God told me to be... No, you tell them I'm here. And if you fail, you go and do retakes so that you can become the engineer God wants you to be. So now that he has spoken to you, he spoke to Mary how she shall give birth to this child. This child was not born when they were... Two, two, two days of pregnancy. Their gestation period was not two days. It was nine months. They didn't evade the process. He grew up. He had called him to be a human being. The Messiah. He grew up till he 30 years of age. Praise the Lord. It is so wrong to manipulate people. The simple gift of prophecy encourages, edifies, exhorts, and comforts. Yeah? It brings comfort to the person that is hearing. And as we start, like I was telling you earlier, that some of us have already been working in the gift of prophecy, the simple gift of prophecy, and we don't know. Did you ever wake up in the morning and you, you felt like, I just felt like calling you? And today you'll have a great day and what like, wow, you don't know how much I needed that. And you see, at times you think that uh, brilliant, genius you came up with the idea of calling them on a day that they needed that call, you get what I mean? You even gave them a scripture that they were just reading. Brilliant, genius you. Out of 30,000 and something verses, you chose the one they were reading. 
So brilliant. God bless you for your brilliance. <laughs> so, many times you're prophesying and you don't know. That's how prophecy begins. It, it, may, it does not have to be a word of knowledge. It just begins with that. It just begins with that. Has anyone told you you look so nice today? There is somebody who God wants to just validate and affirm, and it is you who is going to do it. You see, maybe you've never done it, you don't, but you know, you just feel like, why don't I tell that person they are dressed so nice today? And it keeps going on in your heart. You speak it, and you see how their day is changed. And eventually, you're going to realize that God speaks to you more and more. So it starts with that. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Many people who struggle to prophesy is because they want it to first fully make sense or get a big thing. You start with that small cloud. You're just thinking that she's the second born. You start writing that. Second born and, and things come up. Then eventually when you ask, are you the second born? Yes, I'm the second born. Or if they are not, at least you, you tried. You put that reputation on the line. You are humble enough to, to do that. Okay, Father, thank you for the wonderful service that we've had. Thank you that we learned. We, we learned that we are your sheep and sheep hear your voice. And we also learned that you want to speak to us because we are your friends. And today we've realized that we should prophesy because we can, we all can prophesy. We are your sheep, so we hear your voice. We are your friends, so you speak to us. And because you speak to us, we can prophesy. You can speak to us as messengers to the people you want to reach. Thank you, Heavenly Father. I pray that this shall break out, that this church shall be known as a church where people hear the voice of God, the people who come to this church will be so amazed. They will say, anyone in that church can prophesy to you. And Asha, somebody from the worship team, media team, hospitality, that anyone can tell you. They can hear from God. Let that be a mark of this ministry also. Thank you, Heavenly Father, even for the prophetic action that increases even upon this entire house. Prophecies that shall change course of this nation. Different events in this nation and lives. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for everyone that came. Thank you that they are blessed. Thank you that this will be a week of hearing your voice. This shall be a week where your voice shall be so clear that they will testify about about breakthroughs in their place of work just because they had your voice promotions just because they had your voice appointments just because they had your voice better relationships just because they could hear your voice that this will be a week of us being in the light no darkness that we hear your word 